0: The CEO of one of America's largest healthcare companies is speaking out about his experiences in the healthcare industry, health equity, and Charlotte. My name is Herb White, and this is In Other Words. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Gene Woods has seen dramatic changes in healthcare over 30 years in the industry. The CEO of Charlotte-based Advocate Health has put those observations in his first book, titled Health, Hope, and Healing for All Toward More Equitable and Affordable Healthcare. The book was released on November 14th. Woods writes about challenges the industry faces, the need to make healthcare more accessible to everyone, and his recommendations for the future of healthcare. All proceeds from the book will go to charities supporting Advocate Health employees, including the Atrium Health Caregiver Heroes Teammates Emergency Care Fund and Advocate Aurora Health Teammate Crisis Fund. I had a chance to talk to Mr. Woods along with Charlotte Post publisher Gerald Johnson in his first podcast appearance, and here's that interview.
1: Uh, in terms of the uh, of, of the book, and I had a chance to read it, uh, interesting. Yeah. And so there were interesting things in there. And what struck me was at the very beginning uh, when you talked about uh, the onslaught of COVID and the lack of information that was readily available and accurate. And my question to you coming out the box is how fearful were you with what you didn't know at the start of COVID? Uh, and I know as a CEO you want to project calm yeah. and strength and everything, but yeah. personally, uh, where were you?
2: I mean, uh, that's a that's a really good question. There, there was a there was a knot at the pit of my stomach that pretty much did not go away. Um, and I think um because I think I, I knew what was at stake, I was I was concerned for our. Uh, teammates who was bat- battling this in the front line. Um, in the book I talk about, as much as a chief executive officer, I, I felt like a chief purchasing officer, too, because I was calling folks About just getting masks, and I would get these, uh, you know, reports several times a a day in terms of when our PPE was going to run out, or our gloves were going to run out. And so every single day, we were looking to first of all make sure that our teammates were protected, so they could take care of of the community. And then we quickly realized that you know, in in black and brown communities weren't getting access to testing, that there were disparities in, in 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 COVID. And so we realized we we couldn't just focus on the inside of the hospital walls. We had to focus in communities and, and work with pastors and others to get in church parking lots. And you know, and and you know, we launched our mobile clinics there pretty quickly to respond to that. So all of there was no playbook for any of this. Um, we just had to rely on the strength, the talent, the the creativity of the team. And fortunately, at the end of the day. I'm so proud of the team that I've been able to assemble since uh, I got there in 2016, and really it was the strength of the team and how we worked together that, that helped us uh, figure this thing out, including Hospital at Home. I think you may recall, we were trying to figure out, we knew the hospitals were going to be overrun, and so we were trying to figure out, well then let's, let's figure out what a field hospital is. Maybe we put one at USC Charlotte, maybe we go to the convention. And what we realized we didn't have enough staff or equipment to be able to staff that when FEMA was in New York and other places. Um, So that's when we launched hospital at home. So we ended up treating more patients at home, converting their bedroom to a hospital room than any system in the nation. Um, and that's because we had the the the, the team that really uh, came up with some pretty creative, innovative idea. They say that you know, um, in, in, uh, invention is the mother of necessity, or, or however that phrase goes. That's really showed up in, in a big way.
1: and you? It, and, and to that point, Atrium, or now you know, with your new name, I'm still trying to get a hold of yeah. all that, but, yeah. is, uh talk about, it's a big, sprawling company. And corporations are more like aircraft carriers than a destroyer or a dinghy, for that matter. It doesn't have that maneuverability. Talk a little bit about having to come up with that maneuverability during an emergency like COVID and, and what you thought of it, looking at it now in hindsight.
2: Yeah. You know, I I always talk to my leadership team about no matter how uh, large we get and there's tremendous benefits of scale. I always want us to feel like a small community um, and what the the technology that we had in terms of virtual care, I could beam in, for example, I remember this one time where we had, these um, environmental service workers and our facilities workers working on how to uh, develop these new respirators because, you know, everything was short in supply. So I could beam into them and really uh, uh, see what they were doing and then connect all the right people to say, okay, let's scale this up for the system. Um, I also made it a point to every single teammate that got COVID would get a letter from H.R., and it would say because I did not if people didn't want to disclose that COVID, that was that was up to them. Um, they had the uh, for privacy reasons. But it said, Mr. Woods would like to talk to you. And if you're open to it, um, just let us know and he'll call you. So I was able to call uh, our own teammates at home to see what they needed. Um, and quite frankly, sometimes what was happening because there was sort of the fog of war, We would enact policies, but sometimes not everybody uh, knew that those policies had changed to 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 improve, you know, uh, their situation. So sometimes I would call a, a teammate at home. And then realize, oh, you weren't aware of this policy. Let me get somebody that to you know, share that with you. So I, I was trying to engage at all levels of the community um, of our of our of our organization, as were my other leaders. So that's how we really were able to 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 move a large organization at the time, we're billion dollars uh, organization uh, pretty quickly.
1: Okay, and when you you know there was just so much in the book when you look at this now. You know, you've had the COVID experience, and it hasn't gone away, but it has right. been mitigated to a great degree. Uh, what do you take from that experience that will help move the company forward, not necessarily in an emergency situation, but in yeah. terms of team building, teamwork, uh that maneuverability to be able to come up more nimble than what one would expect out of a $14 billion company?
2: Yeah and that's part of why I wrote the book it was certainly the lessons learned from the pandemic and how we could apply them going forward um and this whole idea of innovation you know the vaccine was developed in uh, in, in 12 months that's never happened before in 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 human history. Uh, it certainly didn't happen back with the the you know 1918 the, during the pandemic then. Um, and so we learned about the speed of innovation, the speed of what we call translational research. And so when we're talking about the Pearl and, Char- and Charlotte that we're developing, the innovation district. Uh, the lessons we learn in terms of what we call from bench to bedside. So when somebody has a, a new discovery, how quickly can we get it in the physician's hands in order for them to to take care of, of patients? I think we we see a, a, a really a, a very strong rapid cycle in that that we might not have thought of before. Um, we also realize the importance of uh, training the next generation of physicians and nurses in new ways. We'll have the medical school in Charlotte that will open in 2025. And the way that we're gonna design the curriculum now is different than we we, we would have done five years ago before the pandemic. Um, we're gonna be training the, the new physicians of virtual reality in, in, in virtual care, in community engagement. So how we're gonna train, train the generations, we were informed by the lessons uh, of the pandemic, and that's really going to um, uh, help us going forward with this, with, um, this next generation. The other set thing I would say, um, and you notice the picture on you know on on the, um, on the book is of Charlotte, and, and uh, we're on top of CMC there. Um, and I'm so proud of the partnerships that we, uh, we, that we formed during the pandemic, you know, with Honeywell, with Lowe's. With Bank of America, with Truist, we all worked together, um, during that time on the, on the million, uh, mask campaign that I referenced there, because masks were in short supply. And some of those partnerships, also working with the, with the city, with the, with the county, uh, elected officials, with the governor, those partnerships have really sustained themselves. And I think as we continue to solve the other challenges that affect our communities, um, we've, but develop relationships that I think will, will make us a stronger um, organization and a, a, a better community.
1: And when you talk about uh, better community, uh, throughout the book you talk about equity and yeah. community. Uh, what from, and I don't want to keep harping on COVID, <laughs> but right. what yeah. do you take from that time and learning about those disparities in communities of color. And I know you knew that they existed before that. But yeah. what do you take from that period, that COVID year, two year experience, that will help move not only the company, but Charlotte and all the communities that you serve forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I, I've been about health equity since I, since I started my career 35 years ago, and that's the heart and soul of our organization as well. What we realized is, um, though, if you think about the Tuskegee experiments, you know, they 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 only ended in 1972. That's that's not too far uh, 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 ago, and what we realized is that there has to continue to be a development of trust um, in deep into community, um, uh, so that we don't just show up when during the pandemic so that we're there uh, to deal with the other, other challenges that community face. So, you know, we made major investments in affordable housing. We've donated property to the, to the city for affordable housing. We, um, do our kids eat free program. Um, we're, we're, you know, sometimes, unfortunately in Mecklenburg, you know, 40,000 kids that go hungry between Friday when they leave school to Monday when they come back to school. So we have a kids eat free program to work with fish and loaves. Um, And, you know, and also we're creating pipeline programs going in Charlotte Mecklenburg. Schools, so that uh, we change the conversation that happens for fifth and sixth graders at the dinner table, that they think they too can become a doctor after they they round with one of our clinicians. So uh, what I learned is uh, certainly we needed to show up during the pandemic, and I and I'm so proud of the team how we showed up the pandemic, but we can't you know we can't go away after that. We have to stay embedded in community, and this year as a new system. We're launching the National Center for Health Equity. I think it'll be one of the premier centers in the nation where we'll have uh, the largest data repository of, of best practice interventions in communities um, for to reduce and eliminate disparities. We'll have um, really uh, a research um, uh, consortium that will be able to, to make sure that we're given visibility to the to the disparities that exist in black maternal deaths, and hypertension, and diabetes, and so that when we do our research, we can research around what these differences are, so we can so we so we can help solve the issue. So I think um, we're going to stay embedded in communities, the heart and soul of who I am, and partly, you know, a lot of folks that that uh, were. Unfortunately, were affected could have been members of my own family, um, and, and were members of my own family, and so there's a, there's a that's sort of the motivation for me personally, I
3: think for the organization. <laughs> Let me ask a quick question uh, while we're on this. You, uh, one of the things I found really compelling about the book was how you opened up to start telling your own stories and, and how you were holding back, telling the truth about some of your history. And I was just so interested in how you tied that into the book. Why was that so important to you uh, to get that story
2: out? You know, that's a, that's a that's a great question. Um, uh, one of I, I tell you the story in the book that after George Floyd, Kneel uh, uh, Coltman is over social impact and community. She came to me and said, "You know, Gene, my, my advice is you tell your own story. It's going to help uh, people, p- p- people. People. People." You know, see you as the CEO, and they, they don't really understand that you've been affected by a lot of the same challenges growing up. Um, and so, it, it, when I told my stories, it um, it really opened up other people to tell their stories. Uh, and 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 I and I think um, that was the purpose is to open up the conversation. You know, my um and in there I talk about my you know my ancestors were slaves in North Carolina in Granville County, county about two hours or whatever from Charlotte. Um and you know, so I'm, I'm I come from that. Um now those those ancestors would have never guessed that their descendants would have uh would would help, you know, run one of the largest health systems, not just in North Carolina, but in the in the in the um in the nation. And what I hope they would also uh see is that we're we're doing it to help for the right reasons we're doing it uh... to really help again eliminate disparities we're doing it to, to help lift up communities Um but i had to tell my stories going back to my father's experience in the navy you know when he was you know dealt with uh... uh... uh issue of having a bunkmate you know from from oklahoma that had never been that close to, to someone that didn't look like him an african-american and, and for me, how my father dealt with that and the story he told from that really was instructive for me because he, he, he kind of, as I said, that became, they became really close friends. Um, and we have so much divide in this country right now. I think, um, one of the biggest things we could do is, is sit down with somebody who might not look like us, might not even believe everything that we believe in and try to have a civil conversation. Um, and that was the model that my father, I think, uh, shared with me. And so I wanted to tell that story in the book as
3: well. As well as the Tennessee story and having to hide in the, in the back seat with your mom, and I mean that, that's that's great stuff. I just wanted to yeah. know how that was, how you felt that was going to actually uh, impact people. reasonably it impacted me. I'm just saying I didn't know how it was going yeah. to. Your yeah, your thought process by yeah. that. Yeah, you know, I mean,
2: a typical Ms. Johnson. I typically have, as I, I share, I typically not. I didn't want to. In the past, of my career—I didn't want it to be about me and my stories. I, you know, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm there to help learn about other people's stories. But I think in this particular instance, uh, folks began to identify why I'm so passionate about what I do. Why, you know, my 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 why is I, I want to improve the human condition. I think we have a great platform to do that, and it starts with community and patience. And 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 um, and that's really my why, and it comes from you know how I was raised and the experiences my own family had. You did read the book, because you know all these examples. Oh, yeah, I read it. And I had to read it. I just got it yesterday. Yeah. But
3: I couldn't couldn't stop reading it. It was just good stuff. Thank you. Thank you.
1: You've got so many different things that are going on these days. Uh, Merger, completed, and I guess, what do you do in terms of not only the, the merger, you've got this really big company now as opposed to what it was yeah. two or three years ago or even yeah. 80 years ago. Uh, yeah. Talk a little about the next steps because obviously the merger, the Pearl, programming, all that other stuff that's down the road. What is this company going to look like, let's say, in five years? And what will Charlotte look like once all this is in the ground?
2: Yeah, you know, a a mentor that always used to tell me, make no small plans. Uh, And so we've got uh, even bigger plans ahead. I think um, in terms of what Charlotte will look like, you know, it's been been quite something to hear Mr. McCall, who I've spoken to many times, many, many times for guidance and counsel, saying that he thinks what's happening in terms of the the Pearl and the new medical school will be the most transformative uh, thing that happened uh, in, in Charlotte. And here's, here's the gentleman that, you know, built bank of America. And he told me, you know, he said, Gene, right now, you don't fully see the impact, uh, 10 years from now, we will see it. But my, my, um, hope there is that we, you know, if you look at the, um, uh, that we spark, um, uh, a new, a new healthcare paradigm, um, that is that is more equitable. Um, you know, if you think about the Pearl, we have you know we have a couple billion dollars of construction going on there. Thirty percent will be uh, com- uh, com- um, companies of color and women and, and minority owned businesses, and we're building capacity there um, that I think will help them serve, uh, continue to grow and, and drive economic mobility. So, so I think you know we're going to continue to I think form partnerships and, and grow. The one thing I will say is we won't forget that how healthcare is delivered is one patient at a time. Um, and so no, no matter how large we get, we, we, we keep that in mind. I was telling the story um, last week. I was here in Chicago as well and uh Chicago bears was playing the Panthers. And so, and in Chicago, we sponsored the bears and, and, in Charlotte we sponsored the, 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 the Panthers were the healthcare provider. And um, my team, my brothers to me said, uh, we, we'd like for you to go come to the suite to visit with some patients. Um, and what they had done is they, they had invited uh, a young lady, nine years old, mm-hmm. Um, and she had um, she was in remission for cancer she was being treated at the Levine uh, Children's Hospital Cancers to invited her to the game here in Chicago and then they invited another young lady that we'd taken care of in our children's hospital here in Chicago and brought them together and you know, they're making bracelets for each other, they're 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 gonna be fast friends. Um, and so I think we could build community uh, over uh, uh, a pretty big geography, and 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 it's about not just you know taking care of 50,000 new cancer cases that we will this year, but it's about things like that that shows that where our heart is is in really um, is in the compassion uh, care that that we can provide.
1: Is that uh, obviously with you know like you're saying, Chicago, Charlotte. You're splitting time in so many different places. Uh, what is that going to look like? Are you going to be in Charlotte going forward as as the headquarters and the CEO, or will that still remain to be played out?
2: Yeah, no, the headquarters is, is most certainly in, in in Charlotte, and we're building that out. It'll be part of the Pearl build out, so our our, our headquarters will be there. The other part of this, though, is um, I'm talking to you on a laptop. So my my offices are sometimes wherever my laptop is, because uh, you can beam in for all over, um, all over the country, uh, and uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the Midwest, just learning uh, the community chair from Milwaukee to rural Wisconsin to South Side Chicago. Um, uh, but there's, as you know. The, the, the world has changed. You can stay much more connected across distances. Um, but my the, the headquarters and my home is is certainly in Charlotte.
3: Okay. Tell me uh, quickly what what you feel like. Uh, what's the goal of the book in terms of financially? Do you expect millions of sales, or it's a compelling yeah. book? But tell me what your yeah. vision of the success of the book will be.
2: I would love to get millions of dollars in sales <laughs> because all of the. All of the proceeds of the books goes to our to our employee fund to our teammate fund. So every single dollar will go uh, to our teammates, and and so I'm, the more that the more books we sell, the the more that fund grows for for the 150,000 uh, teammates that we have. Um, but I also hope, uh, like Miss Justin, what you were saying, I hope it sparks a different conversation. I, I was trying to, in part, demystify healthcare. It's a pretty complex. Uh, uh, uh businesses that we run. Peter Drucker, the management guru, you know, 30 years ago, he said hospitals are the most um, uh, difficult, challenging organizations known in humankind. And, and that was 30 years ago. They got a few more, you got a little bit more complex, but I, I was hoping to demystify it, um, explain a little bit in terms of how it works. And my hope is that it sparks a conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, Mr. Johnson, that you're telling some of those stories at the dinner table and, and, uh, and it sparks a conversation about, oh, okay, what about this and what about this? Because it's going to take all of us to really help make healthcare better in this country. So it's not just. It's not just health systems, because we want people to you know, learn about prevention, right? You know, um, So it's, it's the patients, the communities have responsibility, health systems have a responsibility, pharma has a responsibility, um, the, the medical device companies have a um, responsibility, the insurance companies. So I'm hoping that it sparks, for lack of a better way of saying it, a conversation that leads to a movement in terms of how we really finally uh, make health care in this country work for all.
1: Were you reticent? At any point, uh, when you came up with the idea or did somebody present an idea to you to, uh, to write this book?
2: I was reticent, uh, because I knew, uh, that it was going to involve, uh, a lot of additional time, uh, you know, so a lot of my, you know, weekend nights, um, you know, was spent going through, and I, I, I enjoy the art of writing. Um, it, it's something that I've always have, and so uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist around it sometimes. And so, uh, uh, so the idea of writing it and and uh, and uh, re-editing it, uh, it, you know, I knew it was going to take time, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, hopefully, it stands the test of time, and and really, you know, I'd like for you know years from now when I'm a grandfather. For my for my grandchildren to say, you know, um, during during when it mattered most, uh, when I said the, the best of who you and the team were showed up, um, and and I, and I and I think I, I I'll, I'll be able to say that proudly on behalf of uh, the folks, that my colleagues I've had the, the privilege of, of serving with.
3: But I don't know how you tie in all you do. I mean, the music, writing books, running <laughs> two babies, hospital. I mean, you, you my you my you my hero. So how do you all? Well, 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 thank you. You mentioned that that
2: uh, the television show actually it was the Today Show, and I talked about the concept of uh, I don't believe in work life balance because that seems like a zero sum game, and nobody ever is going to get. Uh, it's an elusive goal to get work life balance, but I do believe in work life harmony. And you know, uh, you reference the music. You know, some of the things that I wrote write about, and I've written about as a young man were around social justice issues. My how I interpreted the world as a young man, dealing with some of the things we talked about, discrimination and things of that nature. And it, and and it just so happens that I have the opportunity in my day job uh, to also uh, impact communities in ways that I was hoping as a as a young kid. So I get as much joy as something. In terms, of, in terms of making a big decision that that will impact thousands of people, um, uh, as I you know as, as I do um, interacting with community members on, on how they see the future, but also the music helps helps me kind of bring all that together and, and stay grounded, if you will.
0: Our thanks to Gene Woods for making time to talk to us, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to In Other words. You can catch us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our website, thecharlottepost.com. For everybody at the office, Gerald Johnson and myself, Herb White, thanks for listening.